Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called The Long Game. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by, well, there's a story in itself, Welcome to the midnight edition of Missed Apex Podcast. This is only for the hardy folk. You thought that a 10pm Austin race finish was going to stop us from getting you your Monday morning commute podcast? Well, Ryan Ferret-Ferris said, No, I can't do that. That's when I sleep. Catman claimed he had an early start. And Neil said he has an exam. <laughs> Students. Exams are just writing down what you've been told. Uh, Matt's otherwise engaged. He thinks that blowing through a pipe is more important than the podcast. But don't worry, we still have an awesome panel consisting of two other motorsport podcast hosts and a real-life racing driver. So don't worry, we'll still be wrong and first, despite the best efforts of Autosport Gits. For those of you just finding us, we are an independent F1 podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, the home of F1 articles and this podcast. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're not Jared Butler. No naughty words here. We're keeping it clean so you can play this with kids in the background or in your car or at work. First of my motorsport podcast guests, every bit as good as Matt Trumpets. It's e-radio show's host, Tom Clancy. Hi, Tom. Well, howdy there, Spanners. No, 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 no. You are not Thanks Daniel Ricardo. Thanks for Ricardo. having me on. You cannot match him in his Texan accent. You cannot match him in facial hair. Stop right now. Oh, well, I just thought, you know, I've been watching the amazing Danny Rick out there. And perhaps, you know, if I start speaking like this, I might be able to come up to his performance level. Or get a girlfriend. Uh, second up, we have the host Ow. of... Yeah, it's going to hurt. It was meant to. The host of Pitboard Radio and guru, boss, governor of Downforce Radio, Jake Sanson. How's it going, Jake? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Howdy, 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 partner. It's nice of you to sort of uh, mosey along the old corral. I'm out in the bunkhouse, and I'm going to get myself some chucks. If you care to sit on the little old fire, I'd be proud to rustle up some pork and beans to hit you. Credit the man of peace, and let's talk F1. Okay, that's a pass. That is a pass, <laughs> Anyone, you know else, it. anyone else who wants to do that, that, that's the bar. That is the bar. Jake, what were you doing on the ground on Brands Hatch? Why were you on the floor of Brands Hatch? Because I was completely and totally cream-crackered after daring the Fiesta Junior drivers to run from the bottom part of Paddock Hill Bend up to the top of Druids. And I do not challenge anybody to take on that challenge because it is more than you can handle. Although, I, can handle I will have it put on the record that I beat two teenage racing drivers to the top of the hill. I came third in a Fiesta Junior race. Oh, yes, I beat two teenagers. They got beaten by a fat bloke. I don't want Thank this you. to sound unkind, Jake, but did they realise it had started? Because this seems... Oh, yeah, un- they did. It seems unlikely, that's all. No, no, this is my <laughs> only victory in the world of motor racing. I will not let you cheapen it. It will not happen. Uh, you were probably Was tired. it one of those things where you set off on two? Three, two. Oh, he's gone. Oh, yeah, I get my kid no. with that every time. I have video evidence. I will get Maisie Bates to post it on the Downforce Radio Twitter feed. I have video evidence. It was fair. It was legal, and they still got beaten by a fat bloke. Jake, you're probably tired from too much croquet. That's 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 what I imagine. Look, enough of your croquet. Do you really know not know what I'm talking about when I say about your croquet? No. Okay, all I'm going to say is, next time you're at your mother's house, sign out of your Facebook account. Oh, yeah, of course. That's not. <laughs> by the way, it's not croquet, it's crochet. Two very different disciplines there. Two incredibly different things going on there. Croquet, that's involving hoops, porcupines, and uh, flamingos, if you read Alice in Wonderland. Crochet, that's a knitting pattern. Very, very different. Honestly, the worst defence ever, but someone who knows all about defensive manoeuvres because he's a real-life racing driver. Back on the show for Missed Apex, it's Bradley Philpot. How's it going, Bradley? Boogity, boogity, boogity! Um, was See, that, that, that was my American. Attempt. That was quite it's good, going, actually. It's going really well. <laughs> they cheat you for that. That's almost exactly... That's Yeah, so we went from the very best American accent we could muster to that, which was awful, but it's still good to have you on. How have you been since we've last had you on? Because in the background is a sweet, sweet simulator setup. Yeah, um, so since I was last on, we've been moving house, and my first task was obviously to immediately paint the garage uh, white, paint the floor grey, move a brand new simulator in, and... um, and hang pictures of the Nurburgring all around the inside of it. And uh, that's where I'm talking to you from right now. I I can sympathise, because when we moved to this house, I spent so long building the studio, like, to the detriment of the rest of the house. She was not a happy bunny. But I guess with you, you can claim that that simulator is work, basically. You're honing your trade. When she it, well, it is. It's, yeah. it's training. Um, and we don't even have a sofa yet, but obviously this is more important. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Look, I'll just say uh, we had an email. Let me just scroll down uh, that from Jack Milburn, and uh, I did put the his whole open letter to Bernie about F1 Entertainment in the Missed Apex Facebook group, which you can find on Facebook by searching Missed Apex Podcast. But he was suggesting having Race of Champions style events um, at Grand Prix. A, do you think that would be awesome? And B, would it be feasible? Um. I don't know whether it would be awesome in place of the actual Grand Prix. I mean, just as something extra for yeah, people to watch. Like an extra yeah, Friday but thing. I think, I think everyone's schedules are a little bit too tight for that to probably work. But nice idea, though. 
Okay, let's move on to pre-race tidbits. I'll just fly through some of the pre-race tidbits because, despite it not being the world's most electric race, there's actually a heck of a lot to talk about. See how I used "heck" instead of another word, Gerard? It's very, very easy, and it's before watershed somewhere in the world, dude. Jake, you're with me on that, aren't you? Because you've got kids. Oh yeah, I have kids. I have uh, Christian friends. Oh yes, we keep the words and the vocabulary to intelligentsia rather than just blasphemous. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, we, as a dad as well, Jake, I'll go to you first because Pascal Verline basically recreated every conversation in my house. Pascal, you need to do the thing that's very, very important. In a minute. No, 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 no. You you need to turn the engine off right now. Okay, I'm just I'm just doing something, but it'll be all right. Just turn the engine off. And but it was just it was an amazing insight into the relationship between Pascal and his engineer, Jake. My favourite moment of the Grand Prix, I think. Potentially, the weekend. yeah. I, I don't I, the entire weekend. I don't think it got better than that. It's, genuinely, it, but is it, isn't it like isn't it like the doctors on Star Trek? have that final say over the captain shouldn't the engineer's word be kind of gospel bradley like if you're if you've got someone in your ear saying the car is in a critical condition turn it off isn't that like some kind of like racing convention that you listen to your engineer yeah unless there's something massively pressing like you know you believe you can still win the race <laughs> or whatever it is but when it's in practice i don't think or... there's much of a reason to to ignore them or you're Sebastian Vettel, in which case, if you hear somebody on your earphone saying multi-21, you can totally ignore that. That's fine. No wow. Wait and not let it go. That was three years ago. Who are you, my wife? <laughs> oh, that was so 45 races ago. Um, and or in- if, you're Max, if you're Max Verstappen, maybe you can pretend that you heard something in your ear and then just dismiss it. That's true. <laughs> That'll come up later. Speaking of Max Verstappen, they created a whole new rule that everyone's dubbed the Verstappen rule. This is a good one for you, Bradley, because they've basically said, well, they haven't changed the rules, but they've highlighted the area of the rules that they can ping Max on if he decides to move in the braking zone again. Yeah, um, it didn't seem to affect anything today, though, did it? Um, but I'm interested to see how that one plays out. Um, I think I don't think it's a slam dunk if somebody does that Thing, then they're definitely getting penalised. It seemed like they were going to be reported to the stewards um, if it was deemed potentially dangerous. So let's see whether those decisions actually start happening or not. Tom, I both love and hated Verstappen's reaction because it was just kind of like, well, I haven't been punished for it yet, so must be all right. And he's right. Well, he said, yeah. Well, he said that all along since he's since he's come in that he doesn't care about the other drivers. I I think it's completely fair for the other drivers to complain about this though because I don't think. If you've driven the same way in the sport for 10, 15 years and then you have this kid come in who just thinks he'll do something different, then I think he needs to be put in his place a little bit. And at the very least, if it's allowed now, all the other drivers have got the got to have exactly. the opportunity to say, oh, good, we can all just do this incredibly dangerous thing. Do you think it is dangerous, Bradley? I, I might be asking a stupid question, but is it dangerous when he cuts in in the braking zone? Yeah, I think if the, if the driver who he's doing it to, or, or who anyone's doing it to... Um, absolutely is on the limit and they've committed to the piece of track that he's about to move into um then yeah it could be dangerous and it could cause quite a big accident a spa that could have happened but it doesn't seem to happen um max's judgment seems to be pretty much bang on so far um and 
I don't know. It, it's I know the it's been a bit of a grey area, and it's been more of an unwritten rule that people don't do the kind of things he's been doing. But it's like I'm sure I said this last time um, I spoke with you guys. Until someone is penalised for it, yeah. then you're going to do what you can get away with. Up until now, he's got away with it. He's carried on doing it. They've made the rule that says you probably can't do it. So, like I said, I'm interested to see where it actually first gets penalised because I, I I appreciate it could be dangerous, but it kind of hasn't been yet. Um, it's it's worked out fine for him <laughs> because uh, everyone's, and no one's had yeah. any contact. Well, everyone's leapt out of his way, especially if you look at Hamilton in Suzuka. He did the right thing and just dive down and, the outside. And my point is, if someone is able to leap out of the way, then mm-hmm. Max has judged it pretty much bang on. If they're not able to leap out of the way and they clatter into the side of him and there's an accident, then he did it at the wrong point. My, so, yeah, I get, I get the sentiment. My only concern is you're then punishing consequences, not actions. Well, people's people's argument is that we, we've we committed to a space, but we're, we're moving down the inside. You know, I've my breaking point is uh, basically I'm going to end up alongside you on the limit. So if you move across, we're going to have a crash. But they haven't had a crash. So my point is that there must have been enough leeway, <laughs> even if it's very small, that that it was okay. Uh, but I, anyway, I, I see both sides of the story. I'm not wanting to just um, kind of back down from the fight. But No, no, no. But anyway, yeah, the, so the, the rule has been set. So let's see whether he's in that position again and it, and it gets penalised. Yeah, not really a chat for today because, like you say, it didn't come up. There was a, a, a little bit of a weird statement from Charlie Whiting about the grid slots last week because, Tom, I'm sure that they told Lewis Hamilton, no, you can't draw your spot. No, you have to start in the middle of your slot but then Ricardo didn't start in his slot and didn't get penalised, then Charlie Whiting just says, well, yeah, obviously you'd do that. That's just common <laughs> sense. And you got seemed a bit baffling to me. Yeah, well, I think I was watching it on the BBC, and as far as the commentators were saying at the time that surely everyone would line up with their tyres outside of the grid slots because of the wet track. Um, in the end, they seemed to think Lewis had gone to the other side of his grid slot, um, opposed to Ricciardo, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just it's just kind of inconsistency from the stewards all over, really, isn't it? Or from race control? Yeah, well, absolutely. That's my point. It just seemed a, a bit wildly inconsistent. Uh, okay, then. Oh, and here's the other thing. Wasn't it interesting how the media, Jake, leapt all over Ferrari for saying, don't talk to uh, uh, Ariba Veni? Oh, no, that's right. No, no, they, they didn't at all. So basically, in Japan, certain medium people, media people thought they smelt blood circled a beleaguered Hamilton, as I imagine they've been wanting to do for some time, but they were just, they didn't say anything to Ferrari having a bit of a media shutout and a strop. It's funny, isn't it, how it's one rule for one and one rule for another. The the media are allowed to have a go at who they're allowed to have a go at, depending on whose flavour of the month at that particular time. And that's what I find particularly unacceptable about this whole thing. Coming back to the, the Verstappen rule change thing, there are two points that I think are very worth making. One, I've been watching video footage of Formula One racings from about 1971 footage to current times. And at least once a year, I have seen top-level drivers doing this when they're in a battle with another driver. So why are we suddenly changing the rules now? Uh, And second of all, interesting how Rosberg can cut across Hamilton at the last moment Uh, on the run to turn four at Barcelona and not get a penalty when they came together. Whereas Verstappen defended a line 
perfectly legitimately, I thought, on Hamilton, because Lewis Hamilton was trying to make that overtaking with Suzuka from a bajillion miles back from Verstappen. It was boulder dash, ridiculous behaviour to come uh, to, to think he can get past Verstappen from that far back in the first place from Lewis. And now we've got a whole rule change about it. I mean, why are we picking on Max Verstappen? Why is everybody at the top of the Well, it's not built on that one incident, though. Well, it seems to be, though, because I don't understand why all of a sudden we seem to be It's been a long time coming. Well, it has, but why is the Suzuka move the catalyst? He didn't do anything wrong. He was defending a position that he had every right to defend. He's the guy in front. He's allowed to choose his line. Yes, they were blocking in the braking zone, but Lewis was trying to pull off an overtaking move that was never going to work in a month of Sundays. So I, I don't see why there's a whole hoo-ha about it. I think it's pathetic that we're even discussing it. Why is it even a rule change? Why can't they just race? Isn't this meant to be Formula One? All right, then. Let's move on to the race. Oh, no. You missed the apex. Okay, the Mist Apex race review brought to you by a rather dashing range of Mist Apex clothing. Have you seen it, Tom? Have you ordered your Mist Apex t-shirt and or hoodie yet from SpannersReady.com? Oh, that's put me on the spot. Of course I've ordered it, Spanners. You liar! You liar! They come in a range of forgiving colours. Okay, so look, it's it's all dark colours. And I made sure the badge isn't in the middle. It's off to one side. So those of you... That looks classier. Yeah. So those of you sort of more well-endowed gentlemen, there will be no lift and separation from the Mist Apex logo. So well-endowed is not the right term, Spanners. Fat. It's uh, Fat? Is that better? (laughs) (laughs) If you were designing trousers. Ladies and gentlemen, this show is politically correct. Look, I designed these t-shirts with fat people in mind, okay? So... Okay. Is that why you sent me a free one? Is that why? why uh... If you want a Missed Apex t-shirt, I've been (laughs) tweeting about it. You can probably find a post on it in SpannersReady.com. In fact, this podcast post will have a link to it. It's in the UK at the moment. We'll launch the US one next week. Uh, It would be really great if you could uh, do it. Not only do you get a t-shirt or a hoodie, whatever you order... But um, you'll be supporting the show and uh, we'll be very, very grateful. I'll be interested to see if any of you are interested in that. Uh, any questions, email me at spannersready at gmail.com. So the race, finally a good start, Tom. Finally a good start for Lewis Hamilton. As a mad Lewis Hamilton fan, I was messaging you before the race saying, I've just got an impending feeling of doom. I have no confidence for the start. But he did get away. Yeah, he did get away and uh, both Mercedes got a good start. So that's that's positive to see if they've been working on that. Um, I'm not sure how much of it. Do you, I mean, do you believe them? Do you do you think the starts are now settled, or do you think that was just a good one in a in a run of bad starts? I honestly think, and this could just be my fanboyness coming across. I honestly think that with Toto saying that there was a clutch issue and knowing that the Merck clutch was is integrated into the engine unit, if that's the right technical term, and that was the same engine unit he had for Monza. It looks a little bit too. I know that's circumstantial, but it looks a bit too much like a coincidence. That the, perhaps that that was what was causing his bad starts. So with that engine block out of the way, yeah, I, I don't think there's any reason. But you know, but I could just be being a you know blatantly biased Hamilton fanboy. No, that's good. That's good to be optimistic. And yeah, that'll be good for the rest of the championship if it stays that way. Ah. I thought um, I didn't quite know. Was ne- did Nico get a well? Was Nico driving defensive on on his start? Was he was he wary of Ricardo because? I saw he went around the outside to presumably get a cutback on Lewis, and then he just seemed to be lucky that, that Ricardo was there and, and kind of blocked him out. Yeah, he didn't seem that aware of Rosberg. I'd love to get uh, Bradley's view of it, because 
he actually got a marginally better start than Lewis. And going into turn one, there was a, you couldn't get a Rizzler in between him and Hamilton, but he just seemed to underestimate the threat coming on the inside from Ricardo. Yeah, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like he he wasn't really expecting the Red Bulls to be quite close enough to make a move stick. Um, but obviously, it's so wide at turn one, uh, Austin. Yep. That you can you can come from miles back and just dive straight to the apex, which is pretty much what um, Ricardo did. I was just mainly impressed that Ricardo managed to then hang it on around the outside of the following corner. But watching Rosberg's on board, uh, Rosberg didn't have much of a choice but to back out. Uh, Ricardo was just far enough in front. Now, interesting you say that because I I wondered if he could have kept his foot in, and I'm wondering if this race had been earlier on in the season, if he would have done. Is he has he got an eye on thinking? You know, second being stuck behind Ricciardo now is fine because of where I am in the championship. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure if he was, um, you know, chasing Lewis for the championship and and he had nothing to lose, he maybe he would have kept his foot in. But from the angle I saw. You didn't. It was going to be a crash if he didn't back off. He was pressed up against the curbs. Ricardo had the the um, better line, especially because the next corners are left. So he um, didn't look like he had a whole lot of choice. But from the first angle, from the outside camera, it did look like it looked like Rosberg wasn't going to come out in front. Yeah, I agree. I mean, let's be fair. Nico Rosberg is in a position now where this is his greatest and possibly his only chance to genuinely beat Lewis Hamilton in a straight fight for the championship. He's not going to throw it all away in the first corner, even if he's got an opportunity to win the race. You know, the percentage tells him that if he finishes behind Lewis on the road in every single race for the rest of the year, he will still win the championship, even if Hamilton has won every race. So from his point of view, he doesn't want to be put into a position when he can chuck it into the chicken house at the side of the road. He wants to make sure it all gets finished uh, in a neat and tidy way. You know, he he's a bit like his dad. He doesn't care that he wins most races in the course of a season. He just wants that world championship now. That's the only thing he hasn't achieved in Formula One now. And he'll do whatever it takes to get it. Uh, Anonymous881 in the chat room says, Rosberg simply wants to finish second and is suggesting that he sort of voluntarily backed off. I'm definitely of that mindset that he's going to do what he's got to do. As much as he says, I'm just going for the win, I think he's definitely got the mentality of thinking of the bigger picture. Uh, He's not got the out-and-out racing kind of instincts that perhaps Lewis Hamilton has. Um, But Jake, phrases like chucking it in the chicken house, you've got a gerbera in in shot in your bottom right-hand corner and what looks like a wooden duck in the bottom left-hand corner. Yes, I do. You know people call you weird, though. You know... Oh, yeah. Right, okay, so you're aware. As long as you're aware, this isn't... That's my thing! (laughs) That's my thing. That's your shtick. (laughs) That's my shtick. I'm allowed to be weird. It's fine. Do you know what, Tom? I will be properly gutted for Nico Rosberg now. Now that he's got to the point where it's out of Lewis Hamilton's hands in that he can finish second in every race, if he loses it from here after the career he's had against Lewis Hamilton, I think I will be genuinely devastated for him because he's never going to get as good a chance as this not necessarily i mean i think oh, his come confidence on. against well i think his confidence against lewis is growing all the time and i don't think i mean yeah it would i i suppose i suppose it would it's what it would do to him as opposed to i think he's got the i think he's, i genuinely think he's got the the, the talent to do it again Wrong. but i think he, he i think he might be I, I worry what losing it this time would do to him. It might put him in a bad place going into next season. Wrong. But um, that's, my tr- I think, that, that's my Trump impression, by the way. Just saying wrong I, over you. Uh, wrong. 
Right. I think personally, if Nico doesn't win the championship this year, he'll never get another opportunity. I agree. And that's not to say that the Mercedes won't be good enough next year, because it will. But I just think that next season, he won't just have Hamilton to deal with. He'll have Ricardo and Verstappen on their A game with a great car to deal with. Because Adrian well, Newey's yeah. been at that drawing board so beautifully in terms of next year's regulations. In terms of the reliability and the speed of the car, Mercedes will be the better package. But in terms of the actual machinery that they're working with, Red Bulls will be better next year. I can't see any universe in which Adrian Newey won't be able to get one over on the Mercedes team in terms of pure car design. So Ricardo and Verstappen will be a match for them over the course of race strategy next year. And that, I think, is going to push Rosberg a little bit too far when it comes to racecraft. It's going to be a four-way title fight. I can see that being a possibility next year, and Rosberg won't be the one who comes out on top of that. Bradley, this is what I've been saying for for a long time, which is that had the pack been closer, I don't think Rosberg would have it would have been as much of a close fight between those teammates over the last few years. Even this season, every time he's had um, an on track uh, bit of combat with a close competitor, he's made contact. Like, do, do you agree with Jake's twenty seventeen diagnosis? It's obviously all just speculation, but I think I've just got a feeling that Hamilton will come off better in in a championship where the cars are brutal to drive and you have to mm. muscle them around. I mean, I I rate Rosberg really highly. I think he's great. Um, but I just think when it comes to the crunch and you've just... I mean, Hamilton loves to work on his physique. He, he really enjoys that aspect of it. It's The cars look like they're going to be pretty physical next year um, yeah. and just, you know, brutally fast. And I would back Hamilton to come out on top in that one. Is that is that your preferred driving style as well, Bradley? Do you like it when you have to wrestle a car to death, or do you like to coax it through threading the needle like a fine lady at a exotic bar? Um, I'd say I like the car to do exactly what you want it to, whatever that happens to be. Um, so it's different in different situations, but um, I'm not particularly beefy. I'm probably more built like um, like a Rosberg than a Hamilton, um, <laughs> okay. but. But yeah, I don't have that worry, unfortunately. Um, I'm not going to have to drive one of those beasts. So. <laughs> hey, um, at the start, though, uh, Jake, you can take your opportunity to gloat here because Jensen Button gained nine places at the start. He was on a massive, massive mission and very, very unlucky not to qualify higher. You've been saying McLaren were, 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 had an upgrade with Honda in Japan. It didn't show, but a little bit more so today. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, you can never count out McLaren. They're always going to knuckle down and find something eventually. I mean, they've eventually had a few right. barren spawn. They've had a few barren spells in the past and they managed to come back with it. I mean, the last big one was from 93 to 96. They didn't win a single race uh, after Senna left the team at the end of 93. Uh, and then they went three seasons without a single win. And then the first race back in 97, bang, Coulthard got the win in Australia. You know, McLaren is a big team full of an amazing group of people who are completely determined and fully focused on becoming Grand Prix winners again. They're not world champions by accident. They will do an absolutely fantastic job. And the fact that they're coming back into the sport as uh, quickly in terms of their upgrades and development as they are it shows it stands to reason you know these guys are not the great force that they are by accident there's an incredible amount of talent and perseverance uh, perseverance and motivation within the McLaren squad and I'm for one delighted that we saw both Fernando and Jensen on their A game today and everybody else got to see it too 
Yeah, just just remember, let's put it in perspective, they just about beat a Toro Rosso. So uh <laughs> Yeah, but when you consider that, you know, first race of the season last year, they were four seconds off the pace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the, the the development they have taken in the last year and a half, considering Honda were a year behind on the development of everything, is quite frankly astonishing. You know, if you can't respect how much how how much time they've made up on genuine pace over the last 18 months, you're clearly not watching the same sport everyone else is. Okay, looks like we've lost Tom, unfortunately. Oh, no, he's back. Fantastic. And just in time as well. So, yes, well done, McLaren, for no longer being four seconds off the pace. Damning with faint praise indeed. Remember, you can catch Jake Sampson on Pitboard on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. It has shows about bikes, cars with roofs on top, all sorts of things. Jake Sampson even covers tractor racing. That's how dedicated he is to motorsport. Let's uh, have a look at the strategy today. This is Downforce Radio. Well, you know, you know what I mean. There's a bit of an homage to Jake. I do like that bumper. Okay. Thank you. Tom, you are here instead of Matt, basically. Matt always tells us the strategy, so I want you to take us through the strategy in exactly as competent a way as Matt would do. Um, You can leave out the insults he normally puts in my direction. Um, Okay, so the, the, the race was all set up to have a few classic battles, and as Formula One is wont to do on occasion, they petered out. But there was three key areas that we got denied today well we missed out on a battle between max and nico i believe uh ricardo and nico and kimmy and ricardo they were the key ones and they all happened around times when well basically botched pit stops or um drivers parking their cars in the wrong places and it just seemed to undo the whole race there was a lot of potential shaping up and then everything seemed to become undone by the virtual safety car so, uh, Jake, is that, is that fair to say? That is fair to say, and it's also fair to say that Jake has left himself unmuted while he goes off to what I presume is a comfort break. So that will be interesting. Uh, prepare for that. Prepare for that, listeners. But yeah, Bradley, Max was was probably going to undercut Nico at some point because there was a lot of room before Nico's. But then they called Ricardo in, and he must have seen Ricardo disappear. He went round for another lap and then just kind of assumed it was his turn for a pit. Yeah, I haven't heard a good explanation for what happened there. You know, his his radio comment where he said, I I thought um, I thought you asked me to box or something, it just seems a little bit rubbish because either you hear very clearly, box this lap, box this lap, or you don't hear anything. Um, and it, I don't know, I really don't know what happened there. Does anybody else have an explanation? I believe what happened was I think Max heard um, push this lap, Max, in thinking that it was going to be his in-lap. He was being told to push, and he obviously had seen cars around him pitting. So he was told to push, and he assumed, okay, this is my in-lap, go for it. And then he came in, and yeah, it wasn't his in-lap at all. But I think that's what I heard. I heard the explanation anyway. Yeah, but okay, that makes sense. We're just talking about the Verstappen pit stop uh, that, that nearly wasn't Jake. Yeah. Um, oops, doesn't even cover it, really, does it? Um, I suppose his only comfort is that it really didn't make a difference anyway, because the car was going to kick the bucket anyway. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know whether that's Max needing cotton buds in the ears or whether it was just a miscommunication from the team or not. 
But you kind of expect that to be a sort of a moment from a 1995 season driver from Minardi or something. You certainly don't expect it from Verstappen. So that's a weird one. Well, my first instinct was it was 2016 Monaco where they got caught short for, for Ricciardo. Uh, coming in uh, so we immediately just assumed it was that again but then given that it was just max deciding to come in for a random pit stop i don't know what the gap is between him pressing the pit confirm button and him getting to the thing but they did an incredible job getting him out and actually by the time he came out the undercut was still probably on so hats off to red bull it was an absolutely incredible pit stop in the in the circumstances not what they drill for at all but they improvised adapt and overcame heartbreak glitch baby absolutely yeah and i think that's what uh, red bull have always been very good at they seem to adapt to whatever they're thrown at pretty quickly i wonder if they do uh sort of training and troubleshooting and sort of uh, on the spot split split, uh, split second decision making because they do seem to be very good at it and it's interesting one of the guys on the chat has just written it will be ricardo against max next year hamilton will be nowhere Boom. i don't think that's very true uh, but I do think that <laughs> both Ricardo and Max will be championship contenders next year. And if all four of them are going for it, then my goodness, we're going to have an incredible year next year. I well, know. It's, it's interesting because I, I don't think Ferrari will be part of that. Alonso will tell you say. he'll be in the mix as well, won't he? <laughs> uh, yeah, he for will the, For the third year running. That. Yeah, he will tell yeah. you he'll be part of that mix. I think he'll be closer to it than he has been. I still think, you know, maybe McLaren will get their first win in a while next year but I don't think they'll be there regularly. I think maybe it'll have to be one of those crazy sort of Canada 2011 races or Belgium 98 races for Alonso to really get that opportunity. But who's to say that won't happen next year? It's a juicy prospect, isn't it? The two top teams closing in on each other, both with drivers that don't have a designated number one, as far as we know, especially if Rosberg is the champion, that kind of will confirm the no number one status. So a a four-way scrap to rival 2012 is is on the cards but back to this year and you were talking about ferrari not being in the mix and ferrari not being good i'm sorry i know you're a you're kind of a ferrari fan aren't you tom but i would say that pound for pound ferrari are the absolute worst f1 team this season and oh my gosh the 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 kimminess of it all uh kimmy robbed us of two battles in that time because first he was hounding down ricciardo and then, yeah, and he came out behind a uh, behind button, just didn't he? Yeah, and then and then the subsequent, did he cause a virtual safety car? Oh no no no, that was uh, that was that was no, that Max. Was... But Bradley, what is, I see, you see you nodding. What is going on with that team? They just can't seem to coordinate any strategy, or anything. They drop the ball every single time. Yeah, Ferrari just seem perpetually lost, don't they? Um, they just they should do so well. They've got so much resource and it just never happens year after year they're kind of either nearly there or just not really there at all and and then it comes down to little fundamental things like not leaving the wheel gun attached at a pit stop i mean that wasn't kimmy's fault at all the light went green and off he went and then he's having to roll backwards down the hill it's like procedural errors that you know you'd expect maybe manor or sauber to get wrong or Um, or has to be fair ferrari um ferrari just seemed to just never get it together. So I would not put money on them um, being anywhere next year either myself. This whole season is just indicative of Ferrari circling the drain. I mean, for a start, you know, why on earth have they still got Kimi Raikkonen in that team? I mean, I've said it before and I've said it again. Kimi Raikkonen is what's holding their chances of going for a Constructors' Championship back. I'm sorry, but 
he's had his opportunity. He's had his moment. He's there for the paycheck. He's definitely not there to win races. And if Ferrari are genuinely serious about overhauling Mercedes and Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship, they don't need Kimi Raikkonen to do that. It's absolutely ridiculous that they've still got him on board. And yet... You know, all of the procedure that they're going through every weekend, they're looking like Minardi used to do at the moment. This is absolutely appalling. I mean, this is Ferrari, supposed to be the best team on the planet. And they're looking like they're doing this with their eyes closed. It's embarrassing. No, I mean, I I completely agree. It's embarrassing. I don't agree with you. I think Kimi could have been out of Formula One a few years ago. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have held that against anyone, but I don't think I don't blame I can't blame him at all. I think he's doing the he's he's <laughs> matching Vettel this year. <laughs> yeah, but Vettel's so not, not exactly on the A game either. Exactly. So why why blame Kimi? It's clearly a fundamental problem within the team and it's it's a good relationship between Seb and Kimi that will build this team, if anything. It's the it's the poisoned relationship with a number one driver that they've had over previous years that has dismantled that team. Okay, in the, chat, that in, team. in the chat room then, Jake, they're saying, what, would you replace him with Bottas? No, I wouldn't replace him with Bottas. It's, a, it's, it's an interesting idea. Um, I just don't think Bottas has the killer instinct that Raikkonen used to have. I don't think he has that anymore. I think from a commercial point of view, from a future point of view, and from just a logical point of view, Ferrari should be hiring Sergio Perez moving forward. Now, that is a bit of a left field for a lot of people. People think, Perez, why the hell would you go for him? But I love in Perez. Terms of, well, in terms of the way Ferrari need to be thinking in terms of their future, they need somebody who would be a safe pair of hands, an intelligent pair of hands. You've got to look at how good he is at making one-stop strategies work during races. Hang on. He's really, Kimi really... Used to... Kimi used fight, to get complimented fight. throughout his entire career at Lotus for, for how he managed his tyres. Yeah, but he's not been complimented for that during Ferrari, has he? I mean, that you But that's really... a problem with the car, isn't it? Well, yes and no. But there's a point where, you know, you've got to take it to a certain point and realize that Kimi is literally just driving around to get a paycheck. I haven't seen, I genuinely, since he rejoined Ferrari, I haven't seen a race where I thought, that's Kimi Raikkonen doing a good job in the Ferrari there. That could easily have been Mark Genet or Pedro De La Rosa, and I probably wouldn't have noticed the difference, which is quite a worrying thing to say when it's Kimi Raikkonen. But with Sergio Perez, you know, he's a very, very talented kid who's still got some good years in front of him, in my opinion. He brings a huge quantity of backing from the Mexican wing of Formula One, and more people in Mexico are getting into Formula One. The money that's being poured into the sport there is obscene. And the fact that Ferrari can take advantage of that, that's the kind of money that can actually push them a little bit further forward to catch the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull. And you say, oh, well, they've got an unlimited budget to catch up with these people. Well, no, they haven't. They've I was going to say They've also got to keep <laughs> the road car thing going at the same time. And it, interestingly, Ferrari have had a bit of a hiccup with that recently because of the whole cries of the Fiat thing. So, you know, that is actually one of the reasons perhaps why Ferrari is actually falling behind a little bit because they've got to keep the road car company afloat through the cries of the Fiat thing. So at the same time, they almost have got to consider a pay driver to a certain extent. And the best pay driver out there, if you're going to call anybody of that caliber a pay driver, is probably Sergio Perez. I mean, the money he brings to any team is probably, you know, at least 70% of their development for a season. Tom, which one of those 47 points would you like to counter before we get back? By the way, Jake, chat room are on, <laughs> chat room are on Tom's side. So, Tom, 
Uh, no, I just think there's just fundamental flaws within Ferrari, and obviously we've seen that they've they're still looking for a guy to lead that team, and we've heard that there's rumours that Eric Eric Bully has been uh, courted. I don't know whether he's the right man for the job either. Um, I'm not sure he's really done at McLaren what they thought he might do, but um, yeah, maybe they just need changes within. Bradley, do you remember there was a race on about an hour ago? Uh, what yep. I want to ask you is, if it wasn't for that virtual safety car, because this was the key strategy point, if Max Verstappen didn't piddle around for three quarters of a lap with no gearbox, was Ricardo in that fight? Um, I think he was in the fight for second. Obviously, no yeah, one in Obviously, yeah. No second, in first. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking forward to to seeing him have a go with. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna use his language, but obviously we can't. This is safe for. It is safe for broadcast. Um, Yeah, I was looking forward to that. I think, but then I wasn't actually looking at any live timing, so I don't want to. Don't want to say for sure. And then everyone who had the Formula One app and all the live timing up tells me I'm I'm completely wrong. We're allowed to be wrong here as long as we get it out by Monday morning. Yeah, I thought he was going to be in the fight. I did it, and it was re- it was it was disappointing, and and Max, you just got that feeling that he he could have just binned it over, and I don't buy for a second his excuse that oh the button didn't work that lets it go into neutral and be pushed no. back into the stewards. Oh, I, I, he had a I paddy. Think, I think the button didn't work. I watched him and the marshals try <laughs> oh, quite did a you? lot to oh, get okay. it to work, and then he just gave up and walked off. Fair enough. Absolutely scandalous of me. Okay, why don't we why don't we just move on for a second? Because I want to talk about some of our great listeners. Special mention to Richard Cullen for being a supporter of the show. And I just want to say thank you very much, Richard. Uh, The timing of the thing you did made me feel very, very good. Uh, We had some listener email from, I can't, I didn't catch who this was from, but it just said, and we've had quite a lot of stuff like this, so I don't know what's changed, but my inbox is a lot fuller from missed Apex listeners and and I absolutely love it. It just says, Thank you for encouraging such a great community. Seriously, the Missed Apex fans on Facebook in our group, um, uh, people like Badger, etc., are some great people, and you're constant reaching out to us, the listeners, I guess, the live stream, the call-ins, the chat room, the Facebook and Twitter stuff, really lo- go a long way to cultivate that community feeling. When I get fed up with a den of vipers that is the F1 subreddit, I hear you there, I just head to the Missed Apex Facebook page and remember that there are some nice reasonable people with a sense of humor that share our passion and, and that that entirely summed up although it is it was from patrick green that entirely sums up what we're we're going for with this kind of stuff so thank you very much uh we had oh no i didn't get the name again but he said oh, no. it was a danish guy I've, I've lost it but i remember it was a danish guy thank you for a lovely podcast the idea of spending caps for teams i find intriguing i'd love to see every team get the same amount of tv money and let them develop a car for a fixed amount of money well let's see if the americans have uh, have anything to say on that with their new ownership that's liberty media how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I know a lot of work goes into every podcast, but it would be huge if you guys had one midweek show for news and then one after qualifying and one after the race. I, I appreciate that that would be an amazing thing to do. And I tell you what, we are building up a fantastic crew. We have, we have a strange thing with the panel where we have a lot of rotating panel people, twit style, which is fantastic. But getting the consistent availability for two shows might be an issue. He also goes, uh, on to say thanks for a podcast offering great insight and semi-loose rumors mm-hmm, that's wild rabbit uh, which i'm having a hard time finding finding elsewhere please get the fat hippo back on again okay breaking news the fat hippo is very much in love and i'd imagine that until we hear the thump thump of baby hippos we're not going to see him for a little while uh, why are you talking about me in the third person this is not very fair <laughs> the fat hippo is a german he is a german oh you it's not, not me german. oh okay sorry sorry it's just uh, i i thought you'd uh, managed to hack into my internet account and you'd figured out my pet name i was very annoyed about that sorry we know your okay. pet name snuggums <laughs> oh darn you big dirty news News dominating this week's Grand Prix, annoyingly for me, because I am bored to tears of people whinging about track limits. I don't think there was any problem with the track limits this week, and the main example of that was Alonso and Sainz. Bradley Philpott is going absolutely nuts on the video. Guys, you have got to join the live stream to see the moments where, like with Tom and Jake, there was genuine animosity with that Kimmy argument, and Bradley genuinely looked like he was going to hit me. But the best parts of the podcast are when I think, are we all still friends? Um, but no, they, they said, we're not enforcing any track limits, and I didn't see any problem with that. I figure on a track like that, with lots of runoff, there is going to come a natural point where you are going further away from the track than the next corner. So that's fine. Just let them, let them race to there's the apex you've got to make the apex but i did not see a problem with any track limits today 
Let's hear what Bradley's got to say. Why was it an issue? There was no issue. We ignored it and it was fine. Why Why bother painting the lines at all? Why not just like make a big car park with a start line and just go, that's it, guys. Thank you. Do a, little, do a handbrake turn, background of the start line, whoever can do that the quickest wins. Like, Thank what you. What are you on about? That there's no problem with track limits. The, the whole point is that you should have a defined playing surface. Otherwise, you're just guessing. Like, can you straight line the corners? How much off track can you run? Why not? Why? Uh, okay. This is one right, of my then. absolute... Hear As me you out. can tell. <laughs> Hear me out there. He- so hate. if we say there's an inside apex that you've got to be the correct side of, why do you need the outer limits at all? Because surely there's a point where going further out, obviously you use some of the excess runoff, that means you can carry more speed, but eventually you've got to start pointing towards the next corner. Because that's the shape of the track. Because that's part of the skill is working out how how to drive the most quickly through that circuit if you actually don't have an outer edge then the circuit it just isn't defined it's like having a football pitch where you don't have any crowd any, anywhere near the track uh, anywhere near the, the pitch you just have massive grassy area the players can go as far wide as they want as long as they get back towards the goal at some point it's fine you have to have a defined playing surface and everyone has to know what the limits are well, okay, but hang on. But then you've got sports like table tennis, where the table is tiny, but the driver, the the drivers, the players can can run all the way into the crowd and play it back in if they want. As long as <laughs> so, think of the table as the apex. As long as they get the ball back onto the table, it doesn't matter where they go. Jake, you don't agree? It's very different. I mean, this is. I I, I see where your analogy is coming from. I see the science behind what you're trying to say. But at the end of the day, you know, a racetrack is very, very easy to define. There's a white line on either side. If your car's inside it, then you're on the racetrack. If it's not, you're off it. It is as simple as that. It is that black and white. I really am a hater of this whole new generation of Formula One circuits where there's masses of tarmac runoff to catch the cars if they go offline. No, these are Formula One drivers. These are professionals. If you give these guys the runoff, they're going to use it. It is ridiculous. And drivers have been going for these stupid overtaking moves that end up causing bigger and bigger accidents as a result of having those runoff areas off to the side. No, do it the old-fashioned way. Give them a gravel trap. If there's a gravel trap on either side, they are not going to push the track limits that far. It's going to catch them out. You're going to prove that you're an idiot. I'm sorry, but I, I just cannot understand this whole tarmac runoff area thing and track limits oh well you've got to keep inside the lines if it's that big an issue just make sure they can't go off the circuit without binning it i'm sorry it's that okay, black so and white I, for me this is quite strange this is a weird coincidence everyone in the chat room happens to agree with you guys and not me okay that so has never ever happened before <laughs> that people in the chat room never agree with that me. happens wow. constantly i've got no idea why they why they even listen to me anymore but anyway uh, but bradley today did not make it a bit more interesting with the alonso battle with signs at take one he was able to go out wide onto the red stuff and gamble that even though it was slippery he could keep his foot in and get a good run onto the next corner and then when he finally got past he used basically the runoff to help him make that move stick does that not add to the racing so these guys are supposed to be the best in the world is that not cheating you can yeah exactly you can can watch junior formula where (laughs) drivers have to judge an overtaking move whereby they get past the person and stay on the circuit and I'm not bad-mouthing Alonso. He was working with the rules that yep. he was given today, but he was allowed to basically make a bit of a lazy overtake that wouldn't have been allowed in, in junior formula, but he just gets away with it because we're not enforcing that today. It just makes a bit of a mockery of it for a casual Isn't fan it? watching. How do you know what you're watching week to week? I spent the whole race, in fact, 
most of the weekend going track limits, track limits, yeah, track limits. Like the whole time, it's just it's it seems ridiculous that you have a sport where the rules are so fluid week to week. Okay, Bradley and Jake and Tom as well. What if we took the line that the drivers were naturally taking and just painted the white line outside of that? Would we have any problem then? Then yes, they'd go wider. They would <laughs> yeah, they'd go, go wider. wider. They'd go wider again. But if, 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 push we, the limits. if we then continued the process of then moving that white line out, there has to be a point where it was just more profitable to start turning towards the next corner than it is to just use more runoff. Are you yeah. a racing driver? Um, no, you're right. <laughs> racing they're, drivers they're, don't think like that. You're right, there will be a limit, but mm. you're just taking away some of the skill that we're paying to watch. But like, I'll, I'll, I want to see people go around the track the first. I don't want to see people make up their own circuit and see how fast they can do that. But aren't we like, effectively doing that in 2017 by having sticky, wide tyres? Aren't we just straightening the corners out? But And everyone seems in favour of that. I don't see a point. The track, that's not to do with the track. You're, no, look, you're looking at me like... It's to do with the tyres and the grip that you've got you, with the cars. You're looking at me like you're, I just said the dumbest thing still in the world. Then, so I'm just you're still then that. having to work within the same track limits. Like, yeah. I, it, seem, it seems so... I can't believe we're even having this conversation. It just... it's. They say, I hate this reason that the FIA come up with, which is, well, we don't we don't police it on that particular corner because they don't get an advantage there. It's like, yeah. I don't care. I, it's so, every other series, you have to stay on the track because the track yeah. is what you're supposed to be racing on. And, you know, it's if I race online, you get a penalty for going outside yeah. the track or your lap doesn't count. If, if I'm at work and on the corporate event, my corporate guests who aren't race drivers have to stay on the track, otherwise the car automatically gives them a penalty if they all four wheels go outside the track. If someone that is paying a few hundred pounds to, to do a driving experience day is able to cope with that and win fairly like that, then why can't the best drivers in the world get on with the same regulations? Okay, so the, the, the chat room is saying if we just if we just kept moving the lines out to where they'd want to go, the Texas race would be held in the next state over. Okay, fine. Okay, fine, chat room. I'm starting to get the impression I'm wrong. Uh, Jake, before you get in as well, I'm just saying the chat room is asking, would you put gravel back in Parabolica? Yeah, I was going to answer that one because uh, it's an interesting point you raised there. Would you rather put the gravel back in Parabolica? Let's not forget the reason why they took that out, and it has nothing to do with Formula One. The reason they took the gravel trap out at the Parabolica at Monza on the outside line was because of the MotoGP riders, and that was to do with the uh, motorcycle riders on the outside. It was uh, more dangerous uh, for them to have the gravel trap on the outside. And that's slightly different as well, because that's the outside of a hairpin, which is a slightly different way of going about it. Technically, you could actually argue that the outside line is not going to gain you an advantage anyway. And if you look at how much dust there is on the outside, then that is actually going to cost you grip. But what we're talking about here is, you know, places like Maggots and Beckett's, where you used to have, you know, gravel on the inside line, which used to catch out drivers and cause incidents. Whereas, you know, now there's a runoff area, which is just making those incidents happen a lot faster. Uh, and same on the outside of Cops. If you pushed it too far at Cops Corner, you ended up in the gravel trap, stopped, and that was your race over. Now you fling it out to the outside, you're on the runoff area, the car is twitchy, you're still carrying that same sort of speed. Drivers are rejoining at the same sort of speed. They've forgotten that there's another car there. I mean, we've seen it a lot in the lower formulas on the Formula One bill, the GP2s, the GP3s, the Porsche Super Cup of yeah, Monza the, that I commentated for at Eurosport. Super, we had drivers coming back on yeah. the middle of the circuit with runoff area and taking guys out. And we had uh, that was gravel. Brian that Cullen. was gravel, though, wasn't it? That was gravel on the what? outside. 
that he kept his foot well, it was on gravel, gravel on the outside, yeah. but it all started because he thought he could use the runoff area on the inside Fair of enough. the chicane to just keep the car going. But the car was traveling too fast. It got spat out to the other side. So, again, I just don't think this is a better way of going about it. It should be clear cut. It should be black and white. The track limits are the white lines on either side of the track. And there's got to be a better way of stopping it than runoff area that doesn't cost you speed. Um, can I just add one final point to this? Of course. I just... Watching races where track limits aren't enforced strongly or at all, like today, just comes across to me as a bit boring and a bit lazy. It means drivers can get away with effectively making a mistake and it's not penalised and it's not penalised necessarily by performance. Um, uh, you know, like Alonso passing science where you can basically misjudge an overtaking move and run wide and it, there's no problem. It, it takes away some of the skill that I want to see when I'm watching racing because part yeah. of it is judging your entry speed into a corner, whether that's overtaking or going for a fast lap. And if you get it wrong, if you carry a few miles an hour too much into a corner, you're going to run wide, you'll be penalised, and, and it didn't help you. And it, it just, anyway, like I say, it comes across as boring um, and, and not very skillful. At least Tom Clancy I mean, agrees with me completely. I, I'm afraid not spanners, but I mean, at least all this stuff, this stuff, this stuff also needs to all be laid out before the race takes place as well, because we don't want to come to a, a stage where, you know, drivers being penalized during the race because it, this hasn't been enforced properly. It just leads to a, like people will be complaining again on this matter. Okay, Bradley, you're a racing car driver. We leaned on you heavily to decide whose fault this is. Like my marriage in this podcast, it, before you can move on, you must decide who is to blame? At least that's what I'm led to believe. Uh, who was to blame? There was contact between Alonso and Massa. My opinion is that corner is designed for exactly that kind of move. Yeah, um, I, this was very, very clear cut to me. Um, you messaged me during the race to see if I had an opinion. And my opinion is simply this. Um, Alonso was fully alongside Massa chose to drive towards an apex at which Alonso was already there, he was already and they ahead. made contact. It's yeah. as simple as that. It's you can. It, you, who was it? I'm sure I've used this before. I think it might have been Andretti that once said, "I'm there, man." You know, you can't drive through a car that's already there. If Massa's allowed the car to get up the inside, I know he came from a long way back, but by the time Massa got to the apex, there was a car at the apex, so you can't drive through it. Simple as that. Tom. Yeah. No, I'm in. I'm in agreement, and. Um... Well, I mean, yeah, Alonso did come from a long way back. Uh, we've seen we've seen similar incidents throughout the season, and I think we saw you know we saw Kimi and Bottas in um, Russia. Was it last year? Was it was that the one where Kimi lunged right up the inside and hit Bottas, and then yeah, that's that about funny. continued. Yeah, but see, that was yeah. funny. That was an obvious case where you, uh, uh, Bottas was turning in. Sorry. Right, whoever was in front was turning in, yeah, and so Bottas had come from a long, long, long way inside and hit him. So, are we really saying that you, as you can just basically not break, put yourself in the point that a driver was going to get to? Is is that is that what we're saying? There's a little bit more subtlety to it than that. I was trying to think of how best to word this yeah. um, whilst the race was on. Um, I think if uh, in this example, if Alonso wasn't going to make the corner without making contact with Massa, um, or if there was no way that they could have both made it through side by side, for example, mm. um, then maybe the blame would fall more at the attacking driver. Um, in this instance, Alonso was absolutely under control. 
Um, easily going to make the corner. Massa could have chosen to just use a little bit less track. You know, he didn't have to drive to the apex. He had, uh, you know, half the track width to the right that he could have mm. used yep. in a similar way to the Rosberg, Hamilton, Austria thing, but we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> and and he didn't. He chose to try and drive straight to the apex. Whether that's because he wasn't expecting Alonso to be there or wh- whatever, it wasn't a case of Alonso just making a desperate move and clattering into the side of Massa, like out of control, locked up, he was perfectly under control. He placed his car exactly where he wanted to. He would have made the corner whether or not Massa was there. And they made contact because Massa was the one that made the decision to continue moving to the left. Absolutely agree. Yep. Sorry, Tom. That music means that it was last orders of the bar of that subject. And I'm afraid you should have drunk up if you wanted to have your opinion. Now, have a word with Miss Kitty. She'll sort you out with a room for the night and a horse for the morning. Now, I wanted you to... I'm glad uh, you said horse. I said, I definitely, definitely said horse, guys. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's really late. Oh, my gosh, it's midnight. Unbelievable. <laughs> Big shout out to the chat room who've joined us here at, for a midnight recording. Uh, very, very grateful. And, of course, to the panel, Jake Shanson of Downforce Radio, Bradley Philpot of Racing Driving, and Tom Clancy of e-radio show uh, the last subject i wanted to cover in any kind of detail is uh, julian palmer and bradley i know you're, you've kind of got a foot in the in the racing circles and he's a he's a british favorite and we've been wishing him all the best but this race this weekend more than any other he has sounded incredibly tense over the radio at the very least it sounds like relationship has broken down between him and his race engineer have you got any insight in what's going on and, and how do you see that Um, I was with Jolien around about two or three weeks ago. We spent the entire evening together and I wouldn't say we're close personal friends, but we know each other reasonably well. Um, And he was quite open and frank in the conversation we had. Um, He was basically saying he doesn't have anything else planned for next year uh, apart from Formula One. I asked him, is he looking into... Uh, you know, World Endurance Championship or maybe following Max Chilton to, over to IndyCar or something like that. And and his, you know, providing he was being honest with me, his um, position was that it's Formula One or nothing for him. So judging by that, if if it's looking like his hopes are slim of staying at Renault, which I think it probably does, um, maybe he's just frustrated that he's finally got himself into Formula One and it doesn't look like it's going to continue beyond one season. And on a day like today where he feels maybe Renault could have helped him out a bit with some team orders, oh my you know, helped him maybe get past K-Mag. Um, I don't know what happened at the start of the race. He, he seemed to, he qualified in front of him, but he seemed to be overtaken relatively swiftly. I think he's just getting frustrated because he doesn't really potentially have anywhere else to go next year. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully he's, um, Hopefully he's got a drive at Force India or Manor or something lined up in his pocket. Well, Force India was the one that was mentioned by the Sky team today. Jake, have you got any whispers that that might be on? Because he's right. He's 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 got his one season. It's been it's a hell of a journey. We only see we see them as rookies coming into Formula One, but he'll have been working towards that for fourteen years. Yeah, let's not forget that everybody seems to think that Julian Palmer, if he loses his seat at Renault, his Formula One legs are dead and buried. That's not true at all. You know, when Formula One drivers are in GP2, they're having conversations with pretty much every team on the grid, uh, even the ones that they feel are out of reach, because you've got to promote yourself and put yourself in the best possible positions you can. Now, there's nothing to suggest that Julian Palmer, if he doesn't end up with a race drive, he won't end up as a third driver for somewhere like Williams or Ferrari or even, you know, 
Red Bull potentially, uh, just because you know they were all looking for somebody with recent experience who's a decent pair of hands. And Julian Palmer is a very good development driver. He always has been. So potentially that's a way for him to build a relationship with the team out of the spotlight in 2017 and get himself a race drive again for 2018. It worked for Felipe Massa back in the day when he spent a year away from Formula One with Sauber uh, and then was Ferrari reserve driver. He got a drive back again and then ended up in the Ferrari team. And as uh, but as uh, Bradley intimated, you know there are definitely a couple of options for Julian next year if he doesn't get the Renault drive again. Force India would be a very attractive one to him because uh, a it's a Silverstone-based team. It's not far from. Uh, where he does a lot of his uh, bits and pieces in terms of away from Formula One business anyway. Uh, Manor is a very good option. The links go back a long way as well. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely options out there for him. There's even a left-wing move that he could go and join Sauber. You know, if he's got uh, enough backing to keep them uh, attractive to him, then there is a potential that he could actually be the saving grace that Sauber need to move forward in 2017. It's definitely not done and dusted for Jolian. It's definitely looking unlikely that Renault will want to retain him. And unfortunately, that partly comes down to money, but also partly down to the fact that he's had a reasonable debut season, but it's feeling very similar to Justin Wilson's maiden year with Jaguar in 2003. It was good, but it wasn't overwhelmingly spectacular. And I just have a feeling that unfortunately now, in 2016 Formula One, you need to be spectacular in the first season if you want another go at it. Yeah, and but it's just that frustration coming across. The pit calls were, you know, people telling him, you're faster than, than Kevin, and him going, yeah, I've known that all race. It was just, it was just tetchy, and it just feels like that's not the kind of conversation you have when all's well, which is, you know, fuels the rumours that, that, that Renault's not going to be his destination next year. Yeah, yeah, he, de- he definitely said in the build-up to this race that he feels that every second that passes of every day with the Renault team, he fe- he's feeling the pressure more and more and more. And I actually have a bit of respect for him in that, you know, he was actually quite willing to say what he feels and let it be heard to the word because, you know... He- we all have this thing about Formula One drivers always oh, getting a bit tetchy or he's getting yeah. a bit cross. These are human beings. Absolutely. You know, they've yeah. got emotions and they, if they're being pushed to the limit, this is this is not just, you know, a race drive they're going for. This is their entire career. I've had one job. I had one job where I felt absolutely like I couldn't be myself, like I couldn't express myself or I, I wouldn't get on. And when I felt I was losing that particular position or wasn't going to move any further, I suddenly had a, do you know what? Fine. I've got nothing to lose. Started telling people exactly how I thought things could be done and that was a, a big turning point in my in my personal career and and now what we're seeing is Julian Palmer not the the scared rookie in headlights not that he ever was but we're seeing uh, an adult man coming out and saying this is how I think this should be done uh, why aren't you getting me past Kevin Magnussen here when we're on different strategies I'm sure you would expect me to to yield in a similar situation and he did very graciously uh, with not that he had any kind of choice he was no but yeah he could he could have been an he, he could have been an idiot about it he could have done a blocking inside line he didn't he stayed out wide he probably break broke the touch later and he, he did do a wide line around that corner so he was courteous but he made his opinions very very clear and i and i think that he's maybe been freed by knowing that he's not going to be at renault next year Absolutely. And, you know, if that's stressing him out to a certain degree because he hasn't got a clue where he's going to end up next year, then I personally have no issue at all with him acting up on the radio. I think it's 
a fair cop that drivers are actually allowed to behave like human beings when we, when they go all robotic and they go for the yeah, you know, the yeah. PC line or whatever it, <laughs> it's just frustrating for us as observers and fans you know Jolyon he's going to get very stressed and frustrated at Renault not really giving him a clear path for next year he may be out of a job and why on earth wouldn't you get stressed about that if you've been working so hard to get to your A game and it might get taken away from you before you've had time to settle in I'm going to give the last word to Luminosity in the chat room who says I am much testier at my desk job than some of these F1 drivers are over the radio and I'm certainly worse in traffic so any other business <laughs> so am I yeah before we before we go onto the podium which we will very very soon once again has has brake problems it's absolutely woeful for me Perez's overtake on Gutierrez into turn one shows why Austin is brilliant and Austin is overtaking for me personally Canada and it's overtaking Silverstone as my favorite F1 track on the calendar it just is in a, in a very simple sentence, of all the tracks that have been built in the last maybe 10 years in Formula One, for me, Austin is the best. It just is. I don't know what it is about the Absolutely. place that just has this yeah. uh, fantastic vibe and flow to it. It's open where it needs to be. It's tight and twisty when you have to push the limits of it. You can see that it was designed with uh, Formula One in mind, but it was done in a way that makes it a bit of a spectacle. I mean, you can say that Silverstone, the new configuration of Silverstone, was built with Formula One in mind, but that's very much from a television point of view and a facilities point of view. It's not really for your casual observer, uh, whereas Austin is very much about the experience of it, as well as for being a great driver's circuit, a great facilities, everything. And everything about Austin, I just hope that this is a circuit that becomes the permanent home of the US Grand Prix because it is, for me, the best track Herman Tilke has ever built. Uh, Bradley, do you fancy those those S's after the initial turns in Sector 1? Sector 1 looks amazing. Imagine driving that in something close to an F1 car. Yeah, it does look pretty cool, doesn't it? I've I've never been out there, never driven it, obviously. But um, it's amazing what you can do when you just copy other circuits and take all the best bits. So so Sector 1 is inspired by... Japan, Suzuka, um, Silverstone, Maggots and Beckett's. Maggots oh, okay. and Beckett's at yeah, Silverstone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, uh, and then the, the last sort of uh, triple right-hander is Turkey. Yeah, yeah. But he, yeah. He's ripped and off his own design stuff. there, though, hasn't he? So we'll let him off, I suppose. I mean, it works, and it's yeah. great. I mean, if it works, it works. And I love the, the spectacle of the rise up to turn one, <laughs> and, and it works very well for overtaking the way the track gets crazy wide just as you enter the hairpins you know it really invites people to dive down the inside so yeah offers some overtaking opportunities tom i actually i actually really enjoyed turkey as well just speaking of previous tracks i think it's a real shame that we've we've lost turkey i wish that track had been built in a location that lended itself more towards formula one and just you know the fans and ease of access and everything like that it's a real shame that that track's lacking because it had great uh, altitude elevation changes sorry and um yeah really nice design i felt the same about korea as well but yeah maybe. yeah i see what you mean actually i do get that one um i just I say things been... badly don't worry well no i mean it's it's been ridiculously slated as a track hasn't it in terms of everything about it is horrible but i have to say I yeah if it, it wasn't built in korea if it was built in somewhere like you know new zealand or somewhere like that maybe it would have been better do you remember the um the four by four that just joined the race yeah that <laughs> yes that was the death store moment for the circuit. If you can't oh, even run a Grand Prix without having a Jeep on there, we're going elsewhere. Sorry, guys. I, I just can't get over the image. There was just an image of two fans in the entire grandstand, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> I just felt so desperate for that track. 
we've got to have an episode in the off season about the most bizarre things we've seen in F1 because that for me is slightly beaten by Nico Hulkenberg uh, just reversing out of control across a track. I can't remember whether he was in the car at the time or not. But hey, look, why don't we go on to the podium? That's right, this music's old enough to be right free. So we can look at another awkward podium and another prime example of a very famous actor not being a particularly great presenter because Gerard Butler, he obviously went out there with a plan and then Lewis Hamilton just went, yeah, whatever, mate. And he just started talking to the crowd and you could see that visibly threw Butler off his game. Uh, So yeah, being a presenter, very different from being a Hollywood actor as much as we will always, always love him for 300. Those Spartans, they were robbed. They were robbed at Thermopylae. And look, I'll just say, We've endured a lot of times this season Merck putting middle-aged men up on the podium in thin white shirts that get see-through when they go wet. So maybe Toto is right. Maybe the luck does even itself out eventually. So for that, I enjoyed the podium. The disgusting shoe came out. I wish that would just die a horrible, horrible death. But let's find out who you thought was the thing of the weekend. Tom Clancy, who would you give your thing of the weekend award to? Um, I would like to congratulate Carlos Sainz for his drive, I yes, think. in that was uh, mine. In the Austin Grand Prix. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. I think mm. uh, I, I think he's a really exciting driver, and I, um, I wouldn't like to see him get stuck at Toro Rosso. I hope uh, I hope he's allowed within his contracts and all that stuff to, to look elsewhere and that another team will pick him up, maybe even as a, a replacement for Kimi at Ferrari next year or, you know, the year after that. He's a really, really exciting talent in F1. I hope he doesn't get wasted. MG in the chat room says the Shuey may have jumped the shark. Now, MG, I don't know if you're aware of this at all, but there was a TV series called Happy Days. And towards the end of their programming, they actually jumped over the shark. And it was the best episode. So really, I don't I don't really know what you're talking about. But one for TV fans there. Bradley Philpott, who, who was the thing of the weekend for you? Um, we haven't mentioned this one. My favourite thing that happened in the weekend was Max Verstappen just, you know, reiterating um, his mentality of I'm not here to finish fourth. I love that on the radio. Um, and I know ultimately it came to nothing, but I, I really enjoyed that. Bit. It, it was a shame because he was wrong. You know, I love the mentality. I admired it. But what his engineer was saying was brilliant, which was you've got to think about the, the race. And if you attack him now, you're going to burn up your tyres and you're going to get like massively overcut. But still, you've got to admire the cojones. It's just the attitude. Yeah. I just really, yeah. really yeah. like the fact that he I thought he's there to win. He's there to be right at the front. He doesn't care about anything else. Tom? I thought it just sounded false. I didn't like it. I it, just, I, 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 it felt to me like it was something he'd been waiting to say, and he's just kind of the guy who who wants to give his fans and Days of Thunder some, Two. I, I tell you to... what, it reminded me of. This is probably why I like it. Just a very brief uh, family story. My granddad was European and World Powerboat Champion back in the eighties, and he has told me lots of stories um, about where uh, this. He hasn't done this lots of times, but he's told me lots of stories. One of them is. Um, they'd be, you know, on their way to third place in the 1983 Monaco Offshore Powerboat Grand Prix or something, and they just feign an engine problem because they just didn't want to come in third. <laughs> they only wanted first place trophies, and it just seems like a similar attitude to that. And I know it's arrogant, and I know it's not actually probably a brilliant trait, but I find it entertaining to watch. Speaking of arrogance, Jake, why are people describing you as a DJ? Do you have like a side gig on local re- radio or something? I keep seeing you described uh, as a DJ. I don't understand that myself, actually. I was a DJ back in, like, 2003, 2004, when I was a teenager, and it didn't last very long. So, I don't know. 
Good, good question. Who was your thing of the weekend? Uh, my thing of the weekend was Daniel Kvyat uh, re-signing for Toro Rosso next year. I'm so glad that his talent and his ability has actually been recognised. He has been the most put-upon racing driver in Formula 1 in 2016. I think a lot of the fans and a lot of the media completely forgot about the fact that he actually stood on the podium at the Chinese Grand Prix. He was that good a driver. Uh, he's as feisty as anybody uh, out in the Red Bull camp in the last few years. Daniel Kvyat re-signing for Toro Rosso is a sign that actually, no, we do trust this boy. He has been a, a good pair of hands with the Red Bull faction. Okay, we needed Verstappen to step up because it all looks fine and dandy and it makes everybody in Holland very, very happy. But Daniel Kvyat is a very talented racing driver. I would have been fuming if he didn't have a race drive at a good team next year. I'm glad that Toro Rosso have said, okay, fair enough. Let's do it again in 2017 and give you another shot. He deserves it. Is that not more of a reflection on Pierre Gasly underperforming a little bit in GP2 this season? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I do believe there's that as well. I think, to be honest, I've, I, I commentated on Pierre Gasly when he was in uh, the World Series by Renault the last season, last year, and I wasn't particularly taken with him then. So seeing him underperform in GP2, I genuinely think he's going to be even more Jean-Eric Vernier than Jean-Eric Vernier was. And at least on his good days, Vernier had flashes of talent. I'm not entirely sure Pierre Gasly's got what it takes to be a Formula One driver at the top level. I just don't see that. So if they would have replaced him, uh, replaced Daniel Kvyat with Gasly, I would have gone, come on, really? Do you genuinely think this kid's got it? Because I don't. And I think anybody with a brain cell doesn't either. So, yeah, Daniel Kvyat, to be fair, he deserved another crack at it. I'm glad they gave him the shot he deserves. Two uh, suggestions for Thing of the Weekend from the chat room. One is Taylor Swift fans for remarking just how fast Formula One cars are and hopefully exposing them to new fans. You know, that's a real thing. Getting Taylor Swift uh, fans interested in Formula One in America, that's a big deal. Yeah, but Martin Brundle needs to stop going onto the starting grid of Formula One races on television and talking to celebrities who know nothing about Formula One. Yeah. It's really driving me insane now. He should be talking to the Formula One people who know something about Formula One. The fans of Sky are shouting at Martin Brundle. Stop talking to Pharrell Williams. Stop talking to Jay Ruddy Z. Stop talking to Cristiano Ronaldo. These people who it's know nothing about Formula One. It is cringeworthy and it's cheapening the sport. It's pathetic. He I don't know if this spoke. is I don't know if this is a Martin Brundle thing or if this is a Sky <laughs> thing, but stop it. It's actually insulting. He Just spoke to Tim Peake, who has been to Space Jake space i don't care has he ever been near a formula one race before then no he knows nothing he could have been direct he watched formula one in space from space jake you lose this argument 100 percent. all right let's (laughs) i'm gonna go however with the chat rooms um thing of the weekend which was kimmy backing up for a quarter of a mile to get into the pit lane and there should be a beep beep on his car when he puts it in reverse let's find out who missed the apex I think I'm going to give the Missed Apex Award to Jake Sanson for blatantly stealing Anonymous 601's Thing of the Weekend Award because he hadn't thought of his own one. Uh, But actually, I want to give it to Felipe Massa. (laughs) Actually, I want to give it to Felipe Massa, who, despite qualifying well, reminded us really that he can't overtake, that he's not a good racer and that he he is probably retiring at the right time. Um, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Tom, who missed the Apex for you? Ferrari, just another shambles from Ferrari. Can't 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 take it any longer, to be honest. 
Yeah, it's, it's just, there's nothing more to say about that. I think we now exclude Ferrari from all future Missed Apex awards to make it interesting oh, okay. because they would get it every single week. Uh, Bradley Philpott, who missed the Apex for you? That's the bad thing award. Um, he was my thing of the weekend. He's also my missed apex. Max Verstappen pitting when he wasn't supposed to pit when he's, you know, in a <laughs> relatively front-running position. And then, to top it off, ruining his teammate's race by parking up and causing a um, virtual safety car. I need a cabbage head award because he would definitely get that. Um, but Luminosity says that uh, the driver of the day voters get the missed apex. Did they vote for Max Verstappen again? Is there any point in that award anymore? Oh, I, no. I can't stand that award. I think it's absolutely pointless because everybody just votes for Verstappen every single time. Grow up. I don't care if he's 18. I don't care if he's got a massive fan base. He's never been the driver of the day other than Barcelona. You're yeah. normally that, really... God, go on, go on, Tom. That award is just so horribly desperate as well. It's like Formula One's attempt at uh, trying yeah. to, you know, be active in the social media scene. It just comes we must up be so, social. We must be so social. pathetic. It's, uh, it's just so lame. Jake, you're normally so upbeat and happy. Like we should do Miss Apex more at twenty past midnight, so we, you can just well, be the grumpy thirty-something you are. It's also because I have just come from Brands Hatch and watched the Formula Ford Festival, which is real motor racing. <laughs> so then, having watched that and then watched the Grand Prix, yeah, I'm sorry. Who Formula won? Ford Festival. Who won? By the way, Jake. Oh, the winner was Niall Murray. He's the second driver in history to win it twice. But Scott Mulvan almost beat him in a car he's barely sat in all season. All right, so. you've got plenty of tin tops or whatever type of racing you're describing. Tin Formula, Formula, Formula Ford. Ford. What are you on about? Oh, that, do you know that's what? something that Jensen Button won in 1998, so you shush. I watched my first Formula Ford race at Castle Coombe, and I have a great respect now for the people who drive it because those things, you can get them so far and then they just snap back and just get away from you. So yeah, that was quite a thing to watch. I've driven one of those cars. I wasn't very good, but I have driven one. (laughs) Yeah, we were watching the race that Jensen Button won in 1998, which first woke him up to Formula One teams. Uh, Mark Webber also won that race. Anthony Davidson also won that race, uh, as did Eddie Irvine, Johnny Herbert, and the late, great Roland Ratzenberger. So there you go. Formula Ford to Formula One. That's how it used to be done. Two more awards. Okay. Today, that goes to Fernando Alonso. He was complaining about, I'm being lapped by the Renault. This is a disaster. Also, just completely whinging in, uh, was it in in, in practice, saying, yeah, it would be nice if I didn't lose a tenth on the straight. Jake? Uh, Well, you missed me completely when we were talking about our missed apex thing. Did I? Oh, sorry. At the same time. Go on then. Do it at the same same time. time. Yeah. My missed apex, massa, 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 massa. (laughs) <laughs> uh, complete and total lunatic uh, and also um, the uh, pony of the day uh, Jolly and Palmer but oh. with good reason yeah yeah with good reason but yes if, without that reason he, he that is definitely the, the kind of thing that would win that award we've got one yeah. more comment of the week and that goes to chat room comment from Luminosity uh, uh, the one about him being much testier at uh, his desk than these F1 drivers are. Let's remember that they are human. Let's remember that we are all gits. We are all Mardi. And we we are all uh, prone to those kind of things at work. Imagine if I was judged week after week to my attitude at work. I would absolutely hate that. Tom Clancy, e-radio show host, 
where can people yes. find you on the internet and what's next for e-radio tell them about the interviews that are coming up yes so people can find me personally at retro underscore f1 but uh also follow at e-radio show that is our formula e podcast which is the FIA's electric motorsport series and Fantastic it is too. We have um, an interview with uh, Scarbs, known for his mechanical know-how and knowledge coming up. No big and deal. Also... No big deal. Just chatted to Craig Scarborough for an hour. It was amazing. And we also... What a guy. Yeah, we also have an interview with Oliver Turvey coming up. Uh, so some great stuff to look out for. Please find us on uh, Downforce Radio and find us on iTunes and the like. Bradley Philpot, where can people find you? You can find me at at Bradley Philpot on Twitter. Uh, you can visit my website, which is racetuition.com. And you teach people how to drive racing cars for a small fee. Yes, for a small fee. Um, no, uh, yeah, and you know, private tuition, simulator coaching, um, you know, track day coaching, all that kind of thing. That's what I'm doing day to day, most days. And obviously, my my go kart championship. Um, BRKC, British Rental Cart Championship. So get on and check out brkc.co.uk and come and do some racing with us. When we finally get our Mist Apex karting day uh, up and running, you're going to come and show us what's what, Bradley? Yeah. Jake, you going to be there? You going to do some karting with us at some point? I'd love to be there, especially if it rains, because I'm really good in the wet, because I'm fat. Therefore, I add a lot of downforce in the corners. So I'm really good in the wet. And where can people find your fat self on the internet? You can find my fat self on the internet in two places, uh, Downforce Radio, at Downforce Radio on Twitter, or Facebook.com forward slash Downforce Radio. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Jake Sanson, or jakesanson.com, my website. Yes, there's lots of cool things being added to that of late. And so, uh, Jake really just refer to weight as Downforce. You've got lots of Downforce in the... Oh, no. We're I got a lot of Downforce. We have to have a chat about, about physics. I, I got have a lot a, of Downforce. I want to have a chat about your self-esteem, Jake, because do you know what? I see more than just some fat commentator. I see... Really? No. I was trying to be kind. Because <laughs> that's what my mum... <laughs> my mama told me to be kind. I'd like to say thank you to the chat room who have said... Big thanks to Spanners and everyone else for staying up late to do the yeah. podcast. And uh, you are absolutely welcome. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you to Jake, Bradley and Tom. And find me at SpannersReady.com. And you can join the live stream by clicking the menu and then going to the live stream tab. And follow me at Spanners Ready. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. I hope you all booked the morning off tomorrow, Monday. I did. I suppose, Jake, you're your own boss. Fernando Alonso escapes a Formula One penalty for his clash with Felipe Massa. I didn't think that was ever an issue, Bradley. Did you? Did you? Were you did you ever think it was a risk? No, um, but I just was confirming that we were right, that's all. Um, Magnussen got a penalty, though. Uh, yeah, five-second five penalty for incident in which he passed Danny Kvyat off track. There's that track limits thing, oh, guys. Oh, hang on. What? So we're going to just enforce track limits when we feel like it? <laughs> this could go on for a while. Right, thanks. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.